always traditionally sort of the two main things that advisors looked at helping people with is the living too long so that's providing for retirement the dying too soon but the extra one that we put in there these days is becoming disabled as well so that kind of comes under the the same broad heading of protection with the dying too soon so yet you're right not terribly cheerful subjects but very 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 important and it's something that we need to focus on sort out and then we can get on with the nicer things Let's get into this. And you've been looking, as well as I, actually, at some news stories, but you've been pulling together stats around insurance protection and what we should be doing. Let's start with what the sort of, the, I guess, the basics are and what the minimum is that we should be considering. What is life insurance and why do we need to have it? Right. OK. In very, very simple terms, life assurance, insurance, assurance, kind of interchangeable terms these days, so don't worry about that, is some sort of policy that will pay out if the person who is insured dies. It's as simple as that. We call it life cover, probably a euphemism. It probably ought to be called death cover, but that sounds less cheerful and puts people off. But it's a a death benefit. So in the event of death, a lump sum generally is paid out. There are plans that will pay out a regular income, but there are not so many of them in, in, in this part of the world. And if you have dependents or you have debts, then you need life cover. Debts are mainly a mortgage, unless you've got massive credit card debts and and personal loans and liabilities, then you ought to have something in place to pay that off. But most importantly, if you have dependents, spouse, children, particularly younger children, you need to have fairly substantial amounts of life cover. And that that is, I can't stress how important it is. And I am positively evangelical about this, about protecting your family and what this does for you. Because the fact is, if a spouse, your husband, your wife, parent dies, you can't replace them. They are not replaceable. But how much worse would your life be if then you've suddenly got no money at all? And the fact is money makes the world go round. You need it to pay for a roof over your head, for schooling, for clothes, for food, for everything. And if that person is gone and they've left you in dire straits financially, then life is a whole lot worse. So the kind thing to do is to make sure that if the breadwinner or the main breadwinner or both parents even have gone, then there is money there to, to soften the blow. Mm. Looking at a news story coming out of the UK and people underestimating life insurance by an average of £30,000. So that's in your UK sterling. Right. Okay. Many people who should have life insurance don't, but even those who do may not be adequately covered if the worst should happen. Research found that the average life insurance payout is £51,500. So what's that in dirhams? It is... Oh, 288,000 dirhams. Okay. That's not really a lot of money in today's terms. Okay. And they're saying the average outstanding mortgage in the UK is around £83,000. So as a result, bereaved families would be left with a £31,500 shortfall. Okay. Which is just shy of 170,000 dirhams. That, that's a lot of money. I would just say that we often quote UK figures because they're easily available. Sure. Because they're published online. And it's not that we're sort of you know just looking at the UAE, just that we have the stats there. So they're, they're sort of vaguely com- comparable in some cases but the the amount of of under 300,000 dirhams really if you've got you know we know what rents are here we know what the cost of living is that is nowhere near enough in the vast majority of cases and life cover is just not as expensive as most people think it is now if you are a smoker or you are very overweight or you have crazy risky hobbies then it is going to cost you a bit more money because it, it depends on your lifestyle but if you are in reasonable health and you don't smoke and you're in your 30s or 40s you'll be surprised how much it 
doesn't cost to have a decent amount of cover to protect your family. And I think it's almost irresponsible not to put that in place. Uh, another story I was looking at, and again from the UK, this was a taxi driver, his fury over £60,000 cut in life insurance lump sum. So basically what happened to this gentleman, he paid faithfully into a whole of life insurance policy for 20 years, and um, the plan released £95,000 if he died or was diagnosed with a critical illness. But his company, the insurance company he's been using, just slashed the lump sum by £60,000 and increased his monthly premium. So this, I mean, he's very angry. He's 54 years of age. Um, this is something we need to be aware of, that when you sign up to something... Yes. That's that's that sounds perfectly normal to me, but that's how the the policy was set up. Right, let's, let's go so back. So that to was no surprises in no, theory. No, I don't think so in the slightest. But he may not have read the small print. Now, have we got time before the break? But there's there's two main types of life policy. Um, the simple one is what's generally called a term assurance, and that's where the you pay in normally a guaranteed amount and you choose a certain amount of cover that pays out for a specified amount of years so often it's say you know five hundred thousand pounds dollars over 25 years you know what the premium is you pay month by month it's pay as you go cover so it's a bit like your your car insurance in a way if you die within the specified period of the policy it pays out a lump sum it's cheap pay as you go and that's probably adequate for most people with a, a specified need and it is good value for money the other type of insurance is rather more complicated and this is a whole of life plan which can be set up on various basis but the clues in the name here if you keep paying premiums the policy will continue until your death so often good for larger sums of shoulds if you want to add on other bits and pieces in it if you want to use it for inheritance tax planning but the premiums are not generally guaranteed unless you request that at outset and it's costed accordingly now what that chap has is a plan that's set up on what we call a minimum premium basis and it is quite complex but his premiums are, have been costed to cover him for 20 years where he is being charged year on year based on his age paying a bit more outset building up a bit of a cash sum in the plan that has sort of offset the, the premiums at a later date and he would have been told at outset that his premiums would have been reviewed every five years and at least every five years if not more often thereafter and at a certain point because of his age um, there will be the chance that the premium can in, could increase or the life assured uh, the sum assured reduce and he has the option to choose which one but that's the basis his plan was set up on he could have chosen to pay more outset and have the premiums guaranteed for the whole period of the plan or various options in between so it's not a case of the insurance company slashing it interesting tabloid type words there but that's how the plan was set up and that's what he would have been given at outset you have to know what you're buying into and i think it's interesting you know he he signed this policy started paying into it when he was 34 he's now 54 and this is part of the consideration in uh, realizing as you move through your life and you change and grow older through your life and issues might arise you need to know you've got the right cover for you we're taking a look at insurance protection uh, life insurance medical insurance critical illness and uh, you've already kind of gone through life insurance why we need it Karen and life term life insurance and a whole of life policy um, but what isn't covered so to have a look maybe at you know if you're single do you need to have life insurance and if you are signing up to a policy making sure that you are reading the small print and asking all the right questions of your financial advisor 
Yeah, totally. Make sure that you are dealing with someone who genuinely understands this market, particularly when it comes to whole of life plans that, that can get terribly complicated. There's so many different ways that they can be set up in terms of the premiums and guaranteeing benefits and all the add-ons. It, it is quite complex. It's the sort of thing that I really only want to do once I've had a cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> okay. Um, whereas term coverage is sort of cheap and pay as you go. For many people, that's fine because it's a specific need um, and for a set period and it, it's kind of cheap. But it, de- it depends. And yes, you do need to read the paperwork. You do need to read the illustrations that you get given. And you should always be given, be given an illustration before you sign up to anything. Um, you ideally should get something in writing, not just the literature from the insurance company, but preferably from your advisor, just explaining what you've got and why and how it works. And ask questions. If you don't fully understand anything that any advisor, salesperson, consultant, whatever, ever says to you, ask questions because it's your money. You should be 100% comfortable and satisfied with what you're doing. And that applies to to anything that we actually deal with. So if you're not quite comfortable or you don't quite understand how it works, ask, are the premiums guaranteed? Will it still cover you if you leave this region? Are there any extras on there that you should be aware of? Do you have options to add things into the plan? You know, these are all things that you need to be be aware of. So if you've got assets and uh, liabilities, you mm-hmm. should have a life insurance policy. Yeah. It, it, someone who's single probably has less need than someone with dependents. But if you've got a mortgage or large debt or you're perhaps responsible for other family members. So there are certainly people here who are responsible for family elsewhere because they, they're doing particularly well by comparison. They're sending money to it to another country or they're responsible for a business. So, yes, they probably do have a need there. And there's some, some awful stories you hear about, about um, people that, have, that fought in the Second World War. So there's the last you know, few people around now dying with absolutely nothing and practically having to have pauper's funerals or being funded by local authorities and, and councils because they have nothing left at all, nothing to their name. So even if you don't have dependents, do you want to make sure that your nieces and nephews and cousins or brothers or sisters get something because it's not very expensive? These are all options. You, you could do that. But as I said, if you've got children, you seriously, seriously need to have a substantial amount to cover and probably more than you think. Well, we'll come on to that because I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm wondering how many actually don't have enough cover. One from looking at that news article earlier, mm. uh, you mentioned before that uh, it's called life insurance. It probably should be called uh, death insurance, but it doesn't sound very good and it puts people no, off. No, they're runaway screaming if I start talking <laughs> about death cover. But does that <laughs> actually apply anyway? Is it ins- life insurance one of those things that people think that's the last thing I'm going to put my money to or want to talk about because it's almost fatalistic or it's depressing or actually you know it doesn't really apply to me why should I worry about that there's certainly an element in it it's the same sort of argument I get with wills oh I don't want to have to think about it well the fact is it happens now you know we've known each other a long time I know that like me you have lost friends through accident and through illness yeah it happens and we're not talking about people people don't only die from natural causes in old age the fact is people die sooner and that's the concern really when you've got the liabilities and the dependents and, and you're working that that's that's when you probably need, need the most insurance um but people don't want to face up to these things whereas my take is let us deal with it just give us a few weeks to get it sorted to discuss it get it all in place get the, the, the standing order in place to pay for it and then you don't have to worry about it knowing that you have done the right thing the kind and the caring thing if you like to look after your family it's not particularly painful to go through it yes there is paperwork 
I'll hold your hand through all of that. I would never send someone a set of these forms to complete them because they are quite horrid. But I will hold your hand, make it really easy. Yes, you often have to go for a medical, but we kind of get used to that out here. And again, that's not at your cost. We'll arrange that. Sometimes the, the doctor or nurse will come to you. Sometimes we'll arrange for you to go to a clinic. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. You'll, you know, Your hand will be held throughout the whole process. And once it's done, then you can breathe and rest easy. Do you find that people have adequate adequate cover is that generally the case no i don't think so it's rare that i come across people who have what i would consider to be sufficient cover now i have to say that there's always a balance to be struck here because you want to have enough protection for your family should the worst happen but without having to pay out an awful lot of money every month so there's there is a balance admittedly so although i might say to you well you, you ideally ought to have 10 20 times your, your income that could be a little costly for some people who don't want to pay quite that much out better to have a reasonable amount paying out an amount that you are comfortable with than nothing at all there's often a compromise for, for lifestyle uh, there as well and can it change so is it something that you uh, sign up for and you know you pay into and then you kind of forget about it you know you've got your direct debit your standing order or is it something you should revisit every few years yes absolutely you should do because your, your circumstances change if you've um, you know, had another three children then you probably need some more life cover if you've taken on a whole load more debt then you probably need more but again you may be in that position where you've done terrifically well with an investment or an inheritance or just your, your savings generally where you perhaps have less need for life of it because you've got other assets now that that is also the case as well the, you know we, we have kind of rules of thumb to work on as to what people need for protection but if you have a lot in the way of, of assets then you may need less than someone who has got no assets to fall back on as well so it's a personal situation that you've, you've got to talk about and sometimes we i'm setting up plans for people over 25 years and you think well that's not going to be the whole of their life but at the same time we're planning for their future so they're saving and they're investing and they're building up assets so by the time they get to retirement they should not really have a need for an awful lot of life cover unless we're doing specific inheritance tax planning that's a whole other ball game that we're not going to get into today so they have less need because their children have grown up and they've got other assets to fall back on but yes annual reviews every few years what have you got is it in place because obviously inflation erodes the value of cover your lifestyle may mean that you need to alter it up or down even Mm. you can do that and to be clear this is not a pension this is not a saving scheme like you would for a pension shouldn't be thought about it in some you you can get plans with certain whole of life policies you can include savings within that however i'm not a massive fan i personally i prefer to keep protection and investment separate because i think that gives you more flexibility overall so they're, they're different needs that need to be addressed and in terms of priorities again if you've got family then the short-term priorities are dealing with the things that could go wrong tomorrow. So that's sorting out wills, sorting out life cover. Financial consultant Karen Bobka is here holding our hands through this delicate topic. Uh, she's with Holborn Assets. She also has her weekly column in the national newspaper on your side and her blog, Financial UAE. I'm going to take a look at one of her blog posts, which is, is your family protected if you die? Six common misconceptions. And of course, Karen's here to take your questions on any problems, any issues, queries about your personal finances. 
Can we just answer the question from before the break about why is it more expensive here than arranging something in a home country? Which is true and it's relevant and there are reasons for that. Um, several. First of all, people's lifestyles. We tend to be less healthy here. We all know there's issues with obesity, diabetes, and we don't walk very very far, which I can't blame you because it's very, very hot out there today. Um, that the perceived levels of risk because of the region, I'm not sure I'd buy that one exactly. Uh, the driving. Uh, a lot of claims, death claims, sadly, are because of the driving and the roads here, which is more dangerous than in, in Europe, North America, uh, those kind of places. Also, the cost of doing business here. It is expensive for an international insurance company to open a branch and division here and to run all of that. So all those things put together means it's more expensive to arrange cover here. But if you are resident in the UAE, then you generally cannot arrange cover in your home country in the majority of cases so you need to look at the offshore market and and that's what we're dealing with there so life insurance is one thing Uh, medical insurance critical illness talk us through those yeah medical cover we've touched on well we've talked about several times before and that's probably a topic we'll come back to because the changes that are coming uh coming with the dubai health authority medical cover is medical insurance so if you need to see the doctor have an operation etc etc the monies are paid out for that critical illness cover is less well known and it's probably something that we could almost do a whole show on if we wanted to really cheer people up um originally known as dread disease cover oh um it's just a super name is it? it should be dread disease and said in a certain way i think um it means it pays you you don't have to die to to claim on this one so it's something that's more relevant for single people perhaps as well the main claims come under the headings of heart disease, stroke and cancer. But there's a whole bunch of other things that are included in there as well. So if you are seriously ill, the policy could pay out to you and you have a lump sum payment. So And then you can use that to replace an income for a period of time, for a lengthy period of time perhaps, um, to adapt a house if you're disabled because of that, a whole bunch of different reasons. Or if you've, you know, again, if you've got family, it's replacing an income. It's it's an important one that is not as ranged anywhere near as much as it should be because it is more expensive than life cover because you are far, far more likely to claim. Now, that also means it's far, far more important, really, in many cases. You are, so you're, you're something like four times as likely to suffer from one of these serious illnesses before the age of 65 than you are to die, generally speaking. So... Interesting. Average age of somebody um, wanting, you know, do you find there's an average age? Have you looked at that? Yep. To I, who would be, because you would imagine with something, I don't know, you would imagine people that were in their 50s, maybe 60s, I don't know, that would be claiming for something like that. You'd think, wouldn't you? It's, it's actually less than that. The figures I have got are generally taken from the, say, the Association of British Insurers, but where these policies have been around for quite a long time. So there's good statistics there. And I would expect those figures to be broadly the same everywhere else, possibly even lower here because of the, the, the demographic. The average age of a claimant under a critical illness policy is just 44 years. That's wow. young, isn't it? Yeah, it we is think young. 44 is not is barely even middle aged these days. Yeah. It's young. Um, the figures get get are really quite scary. Again, 58% of male claimants under a critical illness policy were aged 50 or under. For women, it was 75% were aged 50 or under, and that's frequently because of things like breast cancer. So it's very, very real. Mm. The the chances of us having something 
fairly serious. I wouldn't say they were high, but they are significant. And I think as we get older, we become more aware. Certainly if you've got friends that are a little bit older as well, you can see it ahead. You see things happening to family members. And the fact is a lot of people get ill and there are a fair number of people that die sooner than, than you would want them to. And you can't stop it happening. Okay, you know, the whole other shows that you sure, do on lifestyle yeah. and medical, but you can just make it a little easier for those left behind by understanding what's out there. And when I'm talking to my clients about protection, I will insist that they listen to me just a little bit about critical illness cover, and I will give them some ideas about the costs and what it does. If they then choose not to follow that up, that's their choice, but I wouldn't be doing my job properly if I didn't tell them about it. So it's important and we should think about it and just before we get into the stuff on the blog there's some other figures that I I took again Association of British Insurers but I think these are very powerful figures if I can find them on my desk here the amount of money that's paid out in claims it's a lot bear in mind you you came up with those figures from the UK with people not being insured to anywhere near the level they probably ought to be Um, And I think these figures are from 2013. So in the UK alone, where we have a population of, what, 60 million, something Mm. like that, um, 270 claims a day are paid out. So that's 270 families that are protected. Okay, 270 families are protected, worth repeating. The amount of claims paid out were £8.4 million per day. That's 47 million dirhams paid out every single day to families to protect them. Interesting. I wonder, do you find that people are as vigilant, as aware, as on top of their personal finances and managing those as they might be in home country? And the reason I say that is somehow, sometimes, as expatriates, we feel a sort of disconnect maybe to we're still the same people with the same responsibilities wherever we live but maybe because we have other paperwork in place other administrations that we have to take be responsible for maybe just the idea of living in the in the way we do that we don't necessarily hone into being responsible for everything as we should be mm, i think it goes both way there's certainly people that come here and uh, just see sunshine and good times and, and that's that and, and think short term other people when they're moving with families or they're being very serious or they're moving for financial reasons will become I think more vigilant actually because in in terms of the move there's things that have to be addressed taxation organizing paperwork so it maybe switches people on a little bit more and because everyone here probably needs financial advice even more than people do in the UK because there are less workplace pensions there are additional risks living here if you're living in many home countries, you have a government-funded health scheme, so you don't have to think about it, and people all of a sudden have to think about mm. these things. So it starts making you think about the other things that are linked into it mm. as well. Yeah, good point, good point. Uh, one of our listeners is texting saying, I'm 70, what cover could I get? At 70, you can get life cover, you can get critical illness cover. Um, Some of the plans will only take you to 75 on application, and it is going to be more expensive, but certainly cover is available. Uh, Someone else is asking about critical illness and what does it cover you for, i.e. what's the benefit? So if you were to be diagnosed with an illness, you have to go and have um, surgery, treatment, you might be off work. Are these all the areas that critical illness will help you with? Yes, it depends on what they are, though. I mean, ideally, you have your medical insurance for your your expenses there and the critical illness is for the sort of thing where you wouldn't be able to work for a long time or you have a heart attack or a stroke and I've actually got one of the 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 brochures from one of the insurance companies here and all the things that it actually covers so coronary artery bypasses someone that goes into a coma with brain disease tumors um 
all types of cancers, degrees thereof. Stage one cancer will not always be covered because many of them are highly treatable these days. But if you're diagnosed with a stage three or four cancer, then you can have an almost immediate payout on a claim. Bacterial meningitis, um, I say brain tumours, Alzheimer's, there's all sorts of things. Recognised definitions, motor neurone disease, multiple sclerosis, um, organ transplants, so, so many they're, they're, things they are covered. They are what you would consider, you know, your... Yes, and uh, there are specific definitions and degrees thereof with them as well. And there have to be strict sort of definitions on this because otherwise everyone could be claiming and then the pre- there would be more claims and mm. the premiums would go up. So you have to understand that the insurance companies are a business. They do want to pay out, but within the set parameters that are very, very clear at outset. Uh, well, it's, it's, it is something to think about, isn't it? And when you're looking uh, at possibly where you are going through an illness, which is really going to be debilitating, and you mentioned disability at the beginning, mm-hmm. then this is a cover that would you know, assist you and your family possibly uh, through that very difficult time. Yeah, it's replacing an income. There's, you know, there's, there's two ways that you get an income, by working or by your money working for you. And if you, and if you haven't got the money to give you an income, which few of us have, particularly in the working years, and you're not actually out there physically working, there needs to be another way. And this is what we're talking about is replacing that. So let's take a look at this blog that you've written. And we've posted up and linked into our website as well. So you can find out Karen Bodker's details to connect with her after the show. Um, but is your family protected if you die? Six common misconceptions. Which one would you like to start with, Karen? Oh, they're all relevant, aren't they? Um, well, the one that I hear a lot here is that I, you know, I've, I've got cover through my company, the, what we call death in service benefits, so I don't need anything else. Great, but don't rely on it. It's not, in, it's not under your control. So, and it's actually, you'd be surprised how cheap it is for a company to set up life cover for their employees. So if you're an employee, it's not as valuable as you think in that sense. But if you're a company, you want to do it, come and have a chat. It's, it's not expensive um, because that's outside of your control. So you cannot rely on it. Either you'll leave the company at some point because people leave jobs. Well, I think the average is supposed to be five to seven years, but it's probably more frequently here, I would have thought. Um, or you could be made redundant and that cover's gone. Your health could be not as good as it was. It could be a lot more expensive for you. So anything from uh, an employer should be seen as a bonus and extra. Don't rely on it. Uh, interesting on that note, uh, article just in yesterday's Gulf News, occupational health insurance system under consideration. So this is looking at um, insurance within the workplace. So if right. you were to have an accident at work are you covered and of course if you're working in certain industries in the UAE now this is coming out of Abu Dhabi um, they're looking at health insurance for workplace injuries and it's something that they are looking into and studying further um, but when you're looking at you know construction workers people like that uh, even you you know check out and ask at work because what this article's highlighting is you may not be covered and in fact employers are expecting employees to make sure they have the correct cover for themselves hmm. it's that's a big area yeah. because i mean certainly for, for years abu dhabi has had to have appropriate medical insurance in place and that's coming in here i would hope that most companies would have professional indemnity insurance and there's certainly and i can't remember the, 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 the fine details at the moment but there's some bits and pieces in labor law about compensation for for workplace injuries as well i think it's probably a good thing to 
to specify that companies must be protecting their staff properly because sadly there are too many that don't follow I think the, the right health and, and safety rules mm. for people. Mm. And you know things happen don't they? Interesting what's being highlighted here is injuries are currently the second leading cause of death in the Emirate in Abu Dhabi after cardiovascular disease according this is 2013 mm. um, 109 cases of occupational injuries resulting in death were recorded by um head the health sector regulator well construction such a big sector and and it's risky isn't it i would well i'm i'm guessing that the majority of construction uh, and possibly on the roads again, as we mentioned. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, do check out and consider and add, speak to your HR, your human resource department, and be sure that you are covered in the workplace or have you got the correct cover yourself. Um, what else is on here? Um, my family would help me if I needed help. I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would like to. But how long can they help you for and to what degree? You really can't expect that your family, unless you, you come from a, a family of uh, multimillionaires, obviously, to step in and replace your income and look after your family for years and years and years. And sometimes we, we could be talking about not being able to work for... 20 years or for the rem- the rest of your life potentially mm. we're not just talking about someone helping you out with you know a couple of thousand dirhams for the short term this this is serious commitment so i don't think it's fair to expect your family necessarily to do that if you are able to take steps to provide for yourself and is that what you want in that do you want to have some you know independence and how do you want to live if you can have some control still over the way your life is going to be even yeah, if you point. are suffering disability illness um you know you maybe don't want to be uh, a hindrance or to have to rely on living with family members that kind of yeah, scenario it's, it's being financially dependent on people mm. is it rather than instead of being financially independent which i think we would all much rather have to to make our own choices and not feel that we're having to keep asking somebody else we've got a couple of questions a little bit off topic which is fine because karen is here to take your questions on personal finance but the clock is ticking so if you don't mind karen we'll just jump into these sure. questions uh, one here this is regarding a savings policy is it better to have separate long-term pol- policies for say retirement education property etc or one savings uh, form which we can withdraw lump sum amounts whenever required Oh, I'm going to speak to that terrible answer just on the fence and go, it depends. So it depends on uh, the person, their age, their circumstances, how long they're going to be remaining offshore, where they're going to move back to afterwards. In some cases, it's easy just to have one dedicated plan, but it depends what it is and what you're putting into it. And, and sometimes it also depends on the person and whether they want to keep absolute separate pots or whether they're happy to put it together. Bear in mind that sometimes if you've got several plans, you've got extra charges for each plan so there can be benefits of keeping it together it's a case of sitting down with the individual and seeing what is really best for them specifically Mm. but it is good to know that there are options and it is about your you your lifestyle your planning how you are as a person who else is sort of a part of this decision-making process it's not one size fits all when it comes to financial planning it's very much what is right for that person and and that's how we structure things an interesting question here actually giving some figures as to what money they have and how they want to invest it um i'll I'll run it by you but i think what this is highlighting as well is um one thing i suppose is to not have money sitting actually use your money uh, so it's working for you but anyway you're the you're the expert on this um this person's saying i always have about two to three hundred thousand left in my account what is the best investment for this kind of value uh for saving 
Wow, that is a piece of string question, isn't it? Um, I think everyone ought to keep a certain amount of money in cash as an emergency fund these days because there is no real safety net here and we need something to fall back on. And But if that person is then able to sort of put away £200,000, there are lump sum investments that they could do. Or do they want to be putting money away monthly? What period of time are we talking about? Ultimately, over an extended period, equities and actual investment is the place to be. Interest rates are low. They're likely to remain low. You're not going to get an awful lot there. But again, it's very much dependent on the individual. What sort of equity should they be in? Should they have a full basket? Should they be considering property in there? It's it's a tricky one to give an, an actual answer without knowing about their appetite for risk and those other factors come in. And that's why I spend so much time sitting with individuals and couples and talking about their life and their views and their aspirations so we come up with something that is bespoke um, and they are happy and comfortable with just to clarify for syed who's asking about uh, life cover um, if a company provides life cover do companies do that some do some do yes so does that mean uh, if a company provides life cover for employees and an employee passes away who's compensated the company or the family of the person that's passed away it theoretically is set up so it's the family of of the person of of the employee that dies now what you should be able to do again is contact your hr department who or whoever is is uh, responsible for arranging this and ask for a thing called a death benefit nomination form Um, and any company that, that arranges these death in service plans should have such forms that allows the individual employees to specify who should receive the monies in the event of their death. So there's no confusion um, and it should be paid out quicker. That's how it should be set up. I don't need it yet. I'll sort it out when I'm a bit older. I'll tell you what, check out Karen's blog. That's one of the misconceptions on her Six common misconceptions is your family protected if you die. It's on her blog, Financial UAE. <clears throat> We've posted it up on our website as well and on the Dubai Today page. You can also check out her column on your side every week in the national newspaper. Connect with her. She's at Hoban Assets. As always, Karen, it's, uh, well, a kind of a pleasure. It's good to talk yeah, to you. a bit serious today. Sorry about that. <laughs> but you know what? It does make me think. And uh, I always learn something when I speak to you. So uh, thanks for bringing it to the table, to the fore, making us sit up and uh, think about such considerations. Needs must sometimes, I'm afraid. But it is a serious topic. But at least a meeting with me will not be that deadly serious. <laughs> that I can guarantee. <laughs>